film with family They love the family, they love me And we are two cousins who like to talk about movies. Scary movies. Yes, that's right. It's horror month. (laughs) Welcome to October. Welcome to October, folks. It's spooky season officially. And uh, I want to thank... Our cousin Troy for giving us that new spooky theme song. Great job, yes, Troy. It's very scary. When he first sent it to me, I was like, I had to stop it halfway through. I was like, this is too scary. <laughs> so this is, um, we thought it'd be fun for the month of October to do a bunch of scary movies, a bunch of horror movies, as people call it. <laughs> they do call it that, yeah. And we're going <laughs> to cover cover it all from the scary to the horrific. We're going <laughs> to... Everything in between, we're going to cover it this month. From the gory to the gruesome. But today, we're going to be, you know, easing into it a little bit. Trying to kind of set the mood. Yeah. With some ambient experimental horror. Kind of an odd way to start. There probably aren't too many people listening right now who have even seen these movies. But we're going to be talking about some modern experimental horror films yes don't worry we'll get to the classics later in the month but (laughs) yeah what kind of spurred this on was this movie enisman Ennis Main. Ennis Main. I've heard it pronounced different ways, but I think I heard the director call it Ennisman. Yeah. And he's like a Cornwall guy. 
It's a very <laughs> British. Mark Jenkin. Yes. And uh, Austin, you're the one that saw this movie. I did. Uh, earlier this year in theaters, I believe. Yeah. So I think this movie came out in the springtime this year, around March, April, 2023. And it was being advertised and shown at the music box. And I was definitely intrigued by the trailer. I actually, when I went to go see smoking causes coughing, I went with my really good friend, Blake, and we saw that it was playing in the main theater. And so we kind of like peeked through and we were like, Oh, that looks weird. And I remember it being described, I don't know if by Music Box or where this description came from, as The Shining in the Woods. And so my friend Blake said, why don't we go see this movie for my birthday? And I was like, okay, I mean, I I think it's kind of experimental. I don't really know what to expect, but uh, yeah, let's, let's go see it. And so he invited about like 15 people to go see this movie (laughs) (laughs) and maybe 10 of us 10 or 12 of us showed up at the music box all together nobody really knowing what to expect and it was playing in the smaller theater which only has about 100 seats maybe maybe less and so we basically filled the theater and it was all of us like kind of like birthday time Mm-hmm. And uh, the movie starts, and about 20 minutes in, everyone's just kind of looking back and forth at each other like, what the hell are we watching right now? <laughs> yeah. Because this movie is extremely repetitive, very slow. It's mm-hmm. not in any way a conventional film at all. Yes. Um, it's it's basically this woman who's a volunteer researching rare flowers and recording her findings on this island in Cornwall by herself. And so the first first hour basically is her just walking back and forth to this one little spot, going back to her house, making some tea and writing in her journal. <laughs> about what she saw which most of the time is nothing so she just writes no change over and over yeah she also takes the temperature though too (laughs) yes don't forget that (laughs) the date and the temperature no change yes so anyways it was a very strange (laughs) considering that our tradition with blake's birthdays up till this point we're seeing the fast and furious movies (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, like, super exciting, super, like, blockbuster stupid. You know, like, we'd all get drunk and, like, go see a Fast and Furious movie. And then we show up to Innisman. (laughs) It's, like, the slowest thing. And so everybody walked out being like, what the hell was that? And most of us kind of frustrated, a little bored, a little uh, feeling sleepy. Yeah, it's not it's not a movie that's gonna hype you up, especially for a birthday. Yeah. <laughs> that that was a miscalculation there. <laughs> yeah. But uh Blake loved it. So <laughs> we were like, all right. The birthday Blake got what he wanted. <laughs> exactly, exactly. 
I walked away from the movie being like, man, that was really boring. I wasn't scared. I fell asleep like three or four times. <laughs> Didn't like it. But as time went on, this movie kind of burrowed itself into my brain. And that kind of, when we were up in McGregor Bay, it kind of spawned this idea to make a, a parody kind of film. Yes, Banisman. I was just looking around and I was like, oh, this reminds me of Innisman. Yeah, because we're on an island. Yeah. And so you, having not seen it, did a little interpretation of it. <laughs> yeah. I had seen the trailer and I thought the trailer was really good. And I, I did want to see this movie in theaters, but I just kind of missed uh, the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But I heard from you and my buddy Wes that it was it was pretty boring. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, I, I guess I can wait till this hits streaming. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was definitely interesting to when we were up in the Bay filming this parody of this movie I haven't seen and just like kind of <laughs> trusting you that like, oh, this is kind of what the movie was like. Mm-hmm. And now having seen it, how do you think how do you think we did? Um, you know, I think uh, there's definitely uh, some similarities. We definitely found some ways that we made it our own. Mm hmm. But yeah, we definitely captured the repetitiveness of it. But you know, Banus is it's its own beast, you know? Yeah. <laughs> We're not trying to do a shot for shot recreation. It was yeah. just like taking inspiration from this weird ambient folk horror movie. Yeah. But yeah, I got to play Banus himself. <laughs> which was which was a an interesting experience. Yeah, stay tuned for for that coming out hopefully by the end of this month. I don't want to reveal too much before the the video comes out. I think that it's good that we're doing this first, though, so that people can kind of get an idea of what we were going for before seeing it. So mm-hmm. if you want to see Enosman, it's on Hulu right now. You could watch yes. it with ads, which is very odd. <laughs> well, that's not what you did. Well, the version of Hulu that I have apparently has ads embedded in it. It's like a cheaper version or something. So there's three ads like in the first 45 minutes or something, Mm -hmm. which was jarring. Yeah, broke up the tension a a lot. So how would you describe this movie? And what was your experience for seeing it? Yeah, I just watched it last night on the great streaming service Hulu. (laughs) I, (laughs) I pay for the 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 higher end of it so i didn't get any ads which was appreciated (laughs) i was like watching something with my my housemate kenny and then like he like kind of fell asleep at the uh, in the middle of that so like i like just threw on enosman while he was asleep and he kind of woke up to like this this strange movie at some point he would just like watch it and like like some like minute thing would happen be like oh the plot thickens (laughs) 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 <laughs> so, yeah there is really no plot to this movie mm-hmm. it, it's all vibes mm-hmm. <laughs> describing it as ambient is pretty accurate yeah what would you say happens i mean uh it all feels like it's this kind of psychological kind of it's like feels like there's ghosts on the island mm-hmm. but they're not like classic like see-through floaty ghosts they just like look like people yeah but there is like that rock monument mm-hmm. uh, statue in the middle of the island mm-hmm. that I think is supposed to symbolize like grief or like people that were like lost at sea or something. Mm. 
I think you overhear that on the radio. Oh, okay. There's like some background radio noise when she's like in her house that's like talking about the statue. Right. And yeah, how it's like a symbol of like for grieving and hmm. death kind of thing. Hmm. So it did make me think like oh, these like these images of like nuns or something and minors. Mm-hmm. Like it, they just like they feel like they're kind of like ghosts that mm-hmm. are kind of haunting this woman a bit. And then you like you see this young woman and like dressed in blue and she's like kind of hanging out at her house too. Yeah. And you don't know if it's like a ghost of her daughter or if it's her younger self. Um, because she's supposed to be alone on this island in this cabin. And and then every once in a while, like, this this girl shows up or this man shows up who you assume, like, they had some sort of a relationship with because, like, you know, they're just, like, talking or, or dance. There's a really funny dance sequence. Oh, yeah, I like that <laughs> slow-mo dancing. <laughs> yeah. So it's just kind of a series of snapshots of this woman's life on like an island yeah. but then slowly her reality starts to shift yeah i guess the big de- development is the flowers she's investigating start growing lichen on it then she like writes in a notebook lichen appears on the flower or something like that mm-hmm. and then it just continues to be more lichen on the flowers and then lichen starts growing on the scar that she has across her stomach kind of like little body horror kind of growing lichen on yourself yeah and she like kind of like sees herself at some points like she'll be looking off and like sees herself like on a boat or up a hill or something so that kind of fucks with her head and fucks with the audience a little bit what are the scary moments of this movie like what were you ever scared no that's probably my biggest complaint is that uh, it's kind of billing itself as a horror movie but I don't think it's scary at all. Yeah. That's just kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. It it just feels more like an experimental film. There's some suspense to it, but I wouldn't call it horror. Yeah. Necessarily. I don't know. There's like a foreboding atmosphere to it. Like something, something is going to happen, but nothing really does. I mean, there is like a drowned like guy at one point. So like somebody kind of like, they pull up like a guy that's drowned out of the water yeah and it's like who is this person is this like her husband or something or i don't know yeah or or like that girl falls through a glass ceiling she like cuts her hand at one point she burns her hand at one point yeah she puts her hand on the on the oven stove which has given me some asteroid city flashbacks when jason schwartzman does that with the, the <laughs> sandwich girl um yeah. so why'd you do that but yeah definitely the like seeing the the girl in blue like crash through the window, then like her like belly's like slashed open. It made me be like, oh okay, so this is herself when she was younger, and that's how she got the scar, right, on her stomach. So that felt like oh there there's like some answer there. Mm-hmm. That felt kind of clear to me, but everything else is pretty ambiguous. Yeah, and the film was shot by the director, uh, Mark Jenkin, on a Bolex sixteen millimeter camera so there's no natural sound all of the sound is foley and adr Uh which i think makes it a pleasant thing to listen to do you like it here on your own i'm not on my own 
there's one thing I th- I wonder if you caught this. There's like some coughing sound effects in the background. I think it's the sound effect that Black Sabbath uses. A sweet leaf. Yeah, in the beginning of Sweet Leaf, like where it's like that. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it is that sound effect. Yeah, it's like royalty-free cough sound, like the <laughs> yeah. Wilhelm scream. Exactly. But I was like, that sounds like the Black Sabbath <laughs> cough. Yeah, that's cool. Like, yeah, I didn't watch it on headphones, but I could see how like yeah, you could pick up on stuff like that if you're listening on headphones. I do like the actress they get for it. Mm-hmm. Mary Woodvine. She's just got a very uh she's got a very interesting face. Yeah. You know, kind of a middle-aged woman, got some got some wrinkles to her. Mm-hmm. I did like her performance in this movie, and it kind of kept yeah. me engaged even though the movie's not giving you very much at all, but and, uh, just an interesting uh, actress to watch. Yeah. And I feel like she holds the screen well, so which a movie like this kind of needs. So I wanted to give her her props. She definitely does a good job, and especially since the director didn't really give her much direction, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Do you have that video? There's like a video of him talking about his directing style in this movie. Could he pull that up? Oh, I got it. <laughs> I got it right here, baby. I give the actors very little to work with, other than the script, and then they bring themselves to it. So the characters become fifty percent them and fifty percent me. Now they can ask me questions, and I may or may not answer them. And then often, when I did ask him questions, he'd go, "I'm not going to tell you. What do you think?" So that was always really tricky. As an actor, I like to be told what to do, and he's often trying to draw the performance from me so sometimes he would say i don't know i do know or i'm not going to tell you or you work that one out for yourself <laughs> if i think they need an answer then i'll give them an answer but quite often i want them to be kind of confused about what they are and where they're going because i think that's pretty much the human condition that's it's funny because you took on this directorial style while we we're <laughs> making betasman i don't know if that was a, a conscious decision to to be like Mark Jenkins or whatever, but <laughs> what I would ask you, like, uh, so uh, what should I, what, what should I be doing in this scene, or how should I be feeling? You'd be like, I don't know, you're Banus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I, I handed, I handed the reins over to you for your performance. I just like kind of made the the Banus character more like a Neanderthal as it went on. <laughs> yeah. Becoming like a caveman was was kind of my natural inclination, and and you supported that. <laughs> yes, it's just our interpretation of Enosman. It's just trying to take the essence of Enos, and it was very easy to do. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would say aesthetically, I did really enjoy this movie. I think it looks great. I love the kind of seventies film graininess of it. The colors pop really well, like. The, the red of the, the flower and like the red her red uh, rain jacket mm-hmm. and there's a lot of like bright blues in her kitchen it's kind of working in this like red and blue color palette and I really liked all that stuff she's got the bright red like generator that she keeps fucking with I was really enjoying all that aesthetically I thought it just looked great so yeah. from that standpoint I, I was enjoying the movie and I did agree that's like this is kind of cozy and when I was 
trying to scare me. It just felt kind of goofy more than scary. <laughs> yeah. I feel like most experimental films usually have some unnerving aspect to them. You don't really see too many experimental films that like make you feel good. You know, <laughs> like they're they're yeah. all kind of eerie, weird, make you feel like, what am I watching? So yeah. I don't think that you can really categorize it as a horror, which <laughs> makes it very odd that we chose this as the first thing to talk about in horror month. It's like, eh, I don't even think this is scary. Yeah, it is labeled as a kind of like a folk horror movie. Yeah. And uh, oh, I think it is interesting to kind of talk about this new kind of genre mm-hmm. of the kind of ambient horror, mm-hmm. which... Um, yeah, also Skinamarink, which uh, mm-hmm. we we're, we thought we would talk about as well on this episode. You know, that also came out this year. And yeah, yeah that's another example of just this uh, this kind of ambient uh, experimental horror movie with like kind of non-narrative, not mm-hmm. much dialogue at all, just like Enosman. It's just like it's a vibes horror movie. In this house. In this world. Yeah, Skinnamarink by Kyle Edward Ball. He had a YouTube channel called Bite Size Nightmares. They're little three-minute shorts that are very much in the style of Skinnamarink. Mm-hmm. They're just like these kind of shots of a house, like under a bed or a closet or a door or a ceiling or a wall or a TV, things like that. But I thought his approach to these videos was kind of interesting. He was reading on the internet just different people's stories of like nightmares they had as a kid. And he would basically try to interpret those as a short film. So he would read what their nightmares were with this imagery and then kind of try to make the sounds or the imagery that they were seeing in the nightmare. And yeah, all the while reading their actual account of their nightmare which is pretty creepy if you watch them. Watch them. Have you seen any of them? Uh, no, I don't think I've watched any of his YouTube. Let's watch one really quick, just so you can see the similarity. So this one's called Nightmare 2, Sound in the Hall. This video is based on a comment user Trivi left on the subreddit Short Horror about a nightmare they had. I would be lying in bed and I would just hear this.
and then there would just be silence as if whatever it is standing there waiting for me to make a sound so that it knows I'm there and I'm not asleep very very skinnamarink I mean basically during all of that all you're seeing is kind of a bedroom door and like kind of the the cracks in the bedroom door and the light coming through and it's all got this kind of like blue tint to it yeah, and the way he composes his shots like everything's kind of feels like it's off uh, axis a little bit or I don't know it just like feels like uh, something kind of unnerving about the way he frames these shots it's definitely like in the vein of the creepy pasta videos have you have you seen any of these uh, I haven't seen any of those though I know kind of that one movie we're all going to the world's fair is kind of playing off that whole phenomenon. Yeah, like Slender Man is in that vein. And I was just doing a little research on it and I found this one creepypasta story called Ben Drowned. Do you know about that one? No. So it's like a story about a kid who goes to a yard sale and finds like an old video game. And I think it's um, Legend of Zelda... The mask of uh, Majora's mask. Yes. Yeah. Majora's mask. Yeah. So, yeah, he finds the Legend of Zelda Majora's mask and basically opens it up and it keeps like showing him this creepy link figure and saying like, you've, you've found a terrible fate. And like the video game is like really off and weird. And you keep hearing like these, like, <laughs> It's supposed to drive the person who who got it crazy that like they are playing this video game that's like from their past, but it's like not like they remembered it at all. Nice. And I guess you you can watch kind of the interpretation of the story online. So like you can kind of watch it from the perspective of the person who's playing the video game. And it is it is very creepy. Yeah. Majora's Mask is one of the. It's like the creepiest of the Zelda games. It feels like almost a, a horror game. So that's kind of a cool choice to amplify that. Yeah. Make it even creepier than it already is. Yeah. But it, so I think this movie definitely follows in those footsteps of just kind of taking you to a nightmare place or a dream place that is fragments of a memory that you as the viewer can kind of relate to in a way. When you think of like the images of your childhood, there's no story to it. It's very non-linear. You think of like something in the distance that like doesn't have a description or something that's too close and out of focus or a nightmare that you had or just like, you know, just little snapshots, a door, a ceiling, your parents, like maybe sometime you've fell down and hurt yourself or something like that. You know, it's just like these little spotty fragments. And I think that Skinnerink does a good job of kind of taking you to that place. Yeah, because the only characters are just like these two kids, basically, in the middle of the night in their house. And you don't really get a good clear shot of the kids. They're kind of, you kind of mostly see them from behind. And yeah, it definitely just taps into that feeling when you're a kid and if you ever have a nightmare when you're a kid and mm-hmm. you're just you just wake up in the middle of the night at this this dark house which is like also feels scary and then but then you're like too scared to want to go back to sleep mm-hmm. yeah in this movie like the parents aren't around really or like they kind of 
pop up like randomly but like they're kind of like kind of like the kids are just by themselves in this house so they like got no one to really comfort them and uh yeah i feel like everybody can relate to that a little bit every buddy's had like a nightmare when they're a kid and then you're just like kind of stuck in your house in the middle of the night and you're just like freaked out you don't want to go back to sleep and you're like fuck i just wish it would just be daytime and Mm -hmm. i wouldn't be in this hell anymore and this movie kind of captures that feeling and that's why i I thought it was good (laughs) yeah you liked it you saw it in the theater right yeah we kind of had flipped experiences in that i've i saw this movie in the theater many months ago or earlier this year i think it kind of came out around january or something of this year is very early technically a 2022 movie but i guess it came out this year in theaters yeah yeah and i saw this with my buddies my buddy wes had already seen it like leaked online somewhere i think and then he really liked it and yeah me and my other buddy scott and johnny also saw it but me me and wes thought it was great my buddy scott and johnny did not like it as much they were kind of frustrated by how boring it is and mm-hmm. not really having a a clear story to follow and but i thought it was great i was i was we smoked weed beforehand and i was, I was at the perfect level of being stoned <laughs> for it I, it just it really washed over me and uh and the theater is kind of almost calming every now and then like something will just like really unsettle you i don't know i just i had i never had a theater going experience like this movie yeah and i was i was i was really vibing with it i really liked the film grain the graininess i think looks yeah. really good the way <laughs> extremely grainy yeah like the, like the grainiest film you will ever see <laughs> yeah and i was loving that and i love the sound of it movie there's like this constant white noise or brown noise mm-hmm. um that's this like as like a bed for this entire movie, which I also was really enjoying, which kind of put me in this meditative kind of altered state. Yeah. And yeah, one, it did get kind of gets increasingly more freaky near the end of it. I I was like really invested and freaked out and thought it was great, but I didn't rewatch it. Mm hmm. I don't know, I just feel like I won't like it as much just watching rewatching it at home. And you know, it doesn't really feel like a movie that I need to rewatch. <laughs> but I I you know, I still cherish that that experience of seeing <laughs> it in theaters cuz it was such a weird horror experience. Yeah, honestly, I feel like I would have liked to see this in the theater because I was a bit distracted and this was on Hulu again with ads so it was, oh no <laughs> it was really really jarring like it was like you know watching this you know like 20 minutes in and then the guy from the bear shows up and he's like hey we're gonna make an italian beef sandwich <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like at some DoorDash commercial like just like just snuck in the middle of this like insanely slow film so it's definitely like breaking me out of the the vibe a yeah, lot that's, that's no good <laughs> it was really bad. Yeah, I wish I would have saw it in the theater. But yeah, I mean, just like Ennisman, it is very challenging in that you're literally staring at a wall. Or the ceiling. Yeah. Or the floor. <laughs> or, the, or the floor. <laughs> but if you do stick with it, like let let your mind adapt to this 
series of imagery, when there is a shift in it, like when you get the perspective of standing on the ceiling, mm-hmm. your equilibrium is all off because you're you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep seeing these same things over and over. But then when there is a change in it, it definitely kind of takes you out of that comfort zone because you're trying to find some semblance of comfort or understanding in the film. And then when it subverts it again, you are once again unsettled. Mm-hmm. There's no real soundtrack in this m- movie. There's no music per se. Yeah, it's all diegetic kind of sounds. You do get the the sound of the TV playing like cartoons and you get cartoon music in there. Right. I think you do hear like the Skinamarinky song kind of mm-hmm. playing from like an old cartoon. And I really like the that whole aesthetic of just like these really old, like kind of like cartoons you might see from like the 40s or something. Got these old ass cartoons and you got like Legos and, you know, some some familiar like toys that you would you might remember from being a, a 90s kid. Right. Like that, like uh, that creepy phone car. Yeah. With the, 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 the big eyes. Yes. That's like my favorite part of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> that that jump scare with that thing and then like its yeah. eyes like shift and then like it yeah. starts ringing that i remember that rattled me to the core when i saw it <laughs> but just watching yeah. it on like youtube it's like funny but when mm-hmm. you're in the movie it's like it feels like pretty scary <laughs> i think i did have that toy but yeah another um comparison is 2001 a space odyssey i think that if you look at the the last couple frames or the last scene of 2001 where he's in the kind of alien space house whatever you want to call it and it's just like kind of these shots of like a long corridor or like a bed or a room um i know kyle said he specifically i mean that is his favorite movie and that like he was specifically referencing that so you can definitely feel that in this film yeah, there's actually an interview or it's like Kyle Edward Ball talking with the the Enisman director. Right. Yeah. And yeah, they're just they're they're talking about each other's movies. They're talking about Enisman. They're talking about Skinamarink. And yeah, yeah. Kyle mentions uh, 2001 being a big inspiration for the movie, which I didn't think about when I was watching the movie, but I, I definitely could see it after he mentioned it. Yeah, and it's funny because we, we, when we were thinking about doing this episode for Enosman, we were like, well, we could do Skinamarink too. It's probably the same kind of thing. And then turns out they thought so too. Yeah, and there's like letterbox reviews of Enosman, like, oh, this is like Skinamarink on an island. A lot of other <laughs> people are drawing yeah. the comparison as well, just because, yeah, there's not a lot going on in these movies, but <laughs> I think I do prefer Skinamarink just because it actually does feel horror to me and it actually. Yeah, did freak me out, especially the ending where you kind of like see like this entity's face a little bit, mm-hmm. like through the through the fuzz and the grain. That that shot kind of really stuck with me, and I was like, "All right, that was a good movie. They pulled it off. <laughs> all they all I needed was like a shot like that, and uh, mm-hmm. it's like, all right, this movie did its job." 
Yeah, it's very haunting. Again, very creepypasta. Like if you see any of those images, like like the classic creepypasta images, the Slender Man or like there's like Smile Dog, all these things like where it's just like these kind of grainy, fuzzy, like very disturbing images. Yeah, they're just meant to unsettle you. And this movie, I feel like, is also in the vein of Blair Witch Project and Paranormal Activity in that they were shot on these shoestring budgets. I think Skinnamarink was a $15,000 budget. Yeah, and which feels like kind of high. It feels like it should have like zero budget. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I don't I know mean, what they spent the money on. I guess just paying the actors, paying the children. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, didn't he say like a, they only shot it in like seven days too? Like, Yeah, I know that they shot all the kids' scenes and all their audio in one day. You know, I think the the premise of the movie is kids in a house and their parents are gone and all the doors and windows disappear. So there's a lot of like shots of like doors popping in and out, windows popping in and out. Even a toilet. A toilet <laughs> pops in and out, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, toilets popping in and out. And I love the the way that the kids sound. I mean, like the kids are whispering the whole movie. <laughs> yeah and they got like they got subtitles too which i like you know that kind of gives you something to to hold on to it's like at least we're getting subtitles yeah (laughs) you kind of get a better understanding of what's happening yeah and it's like put the knife in your eye yeah that's like that's like what like this like dark entity skinnamarink force says i think and he kind of has like an even creepier whispery voice did you watch it at night though well i tried to watch it at night and then i immediately fell asleep (laughs) <laughs> but I watched it yesterday morning and it was like a dark and rainy morning. So it worked out. Okay. And I actually watched this movie and Enosman and another movie that we might talk about men back to back to back all yesterday morning. So three movies in a row. Yeah. <laughs> it was a v- very strange and overwhelming experience. <laughs> Wait, what was the order that you watched them in? I watched Skinnamarink first. And then I watched like half of men, like basically the last 30 minutes of of men because I'd already seen it. And then uh, and then I watched Enos Men all the way through. Nice. Definitely fried my brain a bit. (laughs) I was also uh, thinking of Eraserhead when I was watching Skin and Marink. David Lynch's first feature movie. Yes. Uh, That's a it's a classic. Similar kind of graininess, nonlinear stuff, you know, unexplained, experimental. I mean, like, I feel like it's the next step in evolution with like, you know, Blair Witch Project, Paranormal Activity, Skinnamarink. I feel like Skinnamarink is like breaking it down to its like most essential, the atoms of these movies. You know, it's like literally it's all about film grain and whispering and this kind of security cam footage that paranormal activity coined in the horror world, I would say. 
I feel like it's taking all of those elements, but just like breaking them down to like their absolute elements. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I kind of like it just because if you're smoking weed before going to see a movie, <laughs> you know, plot can, it can just, it could be a hindrance into your enjoyment because, right. you know, your your mind drifts because you're high and stuff like that. But <laughs> Skinamarink, I was having such a great time just letting my mind drift while I was watching the movie. And then right. like something will put me back, pull me back in. But I mm-hmm. just, I just liked it as something to like be watching and listening to like while my mind just like kind of drifted and like thought about random shit. And I think it's, it's a great movie for that. If you like, if you're into that, that kind of uh, vibe. Yeah. And yeah, I think the director Venusman talks about when he's talking to Kyle Edward Ball, the idea of how he doesn't really love movies that are like got tons of plot and he's more about the vibes. Yeah. They talk a lot about how movies should be felt. Um, that like movies should feel like music, which feels a little pretentious to me. <laughs> like I, I feel like there's something about both of these movies where they're challenging the audience in a way where it's like, can you handle my genius? <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. It's just a little arrogant. I feel like, but then again, they're trying something new and you know, they're coming up against a, a lot of commercial shit out there. And so felt like maybe the pretentiousness thing a little bit more with Enos men. Yes. Then Skinamarink. Skinamarink right. just felt like somebody wanting to make like a feature length horror movie, but like just with the most minimal kind of means and right. trying to do it as simply as possible, which, you know, I, I find admirable as someone who makes cheap movies and, low budget YouTube bullshit. I don't know what the budget on Enos Men was, but that that also seems like a very low budget affair as well. Yeah, super low budget. And they also were very um they were very conscious about their carbon footprint. Any sort of like greenhouse gases that they created by making this movie, they tried to offset in some way. So um they were very like environmentally conscious making this movie as well. That's good. I like to hear mm-hmm. that. Going back to like the arrogance thing, like just just listen to Kyle Edward Ball's introduction to his film. Hello, Torino. You are about to see my first feature length film, Skinamarink. I cannot guarantee that you are going to love this film. What I can guarantee is this. When the film is over and you go home, go to bed and turn off the lights, I guarantee you are going to have a difficult time falling asleep. Guaranteed. (laughs) Thank you. Grazie. (laughs) Grazie. (laughs) I fell asleep just fine last night. Did you have a hard time sleeping? Um... Yeah, I think I fell asleep fine. <laughs> that was a while ago, but I think I think I had a fine time going to sleep. Yeah, it it, it just it just it feels a little um, pretentious, and and it is interesting that Enosman and Skinnerink both sort of taking cues from the seventies, like with their titles, especially with like adding the little like copyright line 
in the very beginning and stuff like that. Like they do feel like a really good pairing. Like they are like two modern ambient experimental horror films that really play off of each other. I did like Enos Men. <laughs> I like I like the vibe they're going for and uh, I love the location and I, I I'm a, I'm I'm pretty easy as a moviegoer. If you if you give me a good looking movie with an aesthetic I like, then I'm there. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much all this movie offers. So I didn't have too much to complain, but yeah, I do. I was hoping for a little bit more of a satisfying ending, but the yeah. the, end, the ending didn't really give me much with Enosman. But I did feel satisfied by the ending of Skin and Rink, and that's kind of maybe the yeah. big diff- big difference. Yeah, you at least get to kind of see the monster at the end of Skinnerink and they have those images of like the kids with like disappeared heads that are strange. And you get some like some bloods spurting. So that's yeah. like some classic horror, but you don't like see like the kids like getting injured at all. It's all just like implied and there's like mm-hmm. some weird time loops stuff happening in it, which I all thought was interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, I will say, though, that uh, Mark Jenkins definitely knows how to work a Bolex camera, which is not easy. Um, I would say not any dumbass can work a Bolex camera. So uh, I'll give him some credit there. And yeah, and they both ad- edited these movies, too. They're like they filmed, directed and edited the movies, which, you know, that's how I usually make my movies, too. So, you know, I, I always appreciate someone that takes on mm-hmm. the multiple roles there. Yeah. Um, is the Bolex camera like the one that you kind of crank? Yeah, it's like the cl- clockwork. Yeah, cr- cranked one, and and they they only shoot in like twenty seven second increments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you have to be very diligent and intentional with everything. It does make me want to make a movie where it's like all like as they're saying they don't do sync sound where they do all the audio in post, which maybe mm-hmm. that's what Banus will be. <laughs> uh, but possible. Yeah, them talking about that process with each other is like, yeah, it is. It is nice to not have to worry about sound at all when you're filming because sound is is really hard to capture, and there's so many noises that you don't want. So mm-hmm. being able to like curate exactly the sounds you want to be hearing after the fact and the dialogue after the fact is kind of nice. Yeah, I mean, but that definitely poses its own challenges too to like recreate all the sound and posts all the atmosphere all the dialogue any little sound effect needs to be created from scratch so that can that that can be difficult as well but you can also just find shit off the internet (laughs) (laughs) no one's gonna know so do we want to talk about another film do we we want to do we still want to integrate men into this conversation well i did watch men and i took notes on it so i thought Heck, why not? And I feel like there's <laughs> there are some connections to be made between men and these movies. A man followed me out of the woods. He was stalking me. What makes you say that? I saw him twice. Twice? I don't know if he saw you once. <laughs> Wanna play a game? You hide, I'll see. You must feel an awful sense of guilt. Stay away from me. What are you doing? 
Men was a movie that really surprised me from last year, 2022. So we're still in the same kind of range of time. And this movie is directed by Alex Garland, who you may have seen Ex Machina or Annihilation. He did those movies. He also wrote 28 Days Later and Sunshine, Danny Boyle collaborator. Yeah. And so this movie is definitely more narrative than the other two films that we talked about, but still does contain some some ambient horror elements. There is a lot of the main character kind of walking around a forest and sort of... Yeah, just a woman walking around in nature set to ethereal music definitely reminded me of Enos Men. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just very simple. But yeah, similarly, looks really good. I think this is a very well-shot movie. The colors really pop, just like Enos Men. Mm-hmm. This time again, it's more green and red colors than mm-hmm. the red and blue you get in Enos Men. But I was really noticing that in this movie. But yeah, it is ambiguous in its way and, and strange in its way that Skinnamarink and Enos Men are. But yeah, you're definitely getting more more characters, more dialogue. So there's a little bit more to to hold on to in this movie. This movie does deal with repetition in a different way in which we see the same actor playing different roles over and over. And it's interesting because the main character never acknowledges that fact that, um, that all of the men see title uh, in this movie (laughs) are played by um, Rory Kinnear. Yeah. I think does a really good job. Yeah. He's great doing a range of characters. The only other man in this movie is her ex. And so the movie basically deals with a trauma, which is what we can assume from the information given us, given to us in the film is her and her partner are getting a divorce and he commits suicide by jumping off a balcony. Yeah. And he says like, I'm going to kill myself if you divorce me. Yeah. And yeah, he like hits her. These are this is all seen through flashbacks that are sprinkled throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you do see him kind of like falling. She like makes eye contact with him as he's falling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it does seem like he uh killed himself. That's the implication. And it's the movie is basically her going to an English countryside. So again, there's a little bit of an Enosman connection there. Got to mention that both movies have men in the title. That, that's what that's what made me think about it. <laughs> yes, can't overlook that. We're just like going to do Enos Men, and then then I think you threw out the day like, well, maybe we could throw Skinnamarink in there too. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, well, maybe we could do Men as well. Cause, <laughs> yeah, because they got got men right there in the title, <laughs> and so that's how we ended up with this deranged episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think um men is much different I think in tone in that again there's there is dialogue there is like some sort of driving plot there is a storyline behind this. I mean and I think it is experimental in a way because you are kind of just like flowing with this woman in nature. It's not 
directly told you exactly what happens in her past. And then you have this element of the actor playing all these different roles and the main character never acknowledging the fact that everybody looks the same. Um, So you don't really know what is her reality. Like, why does she see everybody as the same person or why doesn't she see that everybody is the same person? Yeah. Just never comments on that fact. Yeah, and there's also the connection that because there's like a priest character in yes. Men, and then there's also the priest in Men, mm-hmm. and yeah, there's just a lot of symbolic imagery in both movies. Yeah, that uh, can kind of be like uh, pondered about again, much like Enosman is about in a way like nature and plants and flora and fauna, so. One of the characters that Rory Kinnear plays that sort of haunts and stalks the main character is this guy who is based off of a pagan symbol of what's called the green man. Mm-hmm. So like you you may see him on reliefs on architecture where it's a symbol of a man with leaves coming out of his face. So there's kind of a personified version of the green man in this movie uh, who like cuts his forehead open in like these really kind of gruesome ways and like plants leaves in his in his head. Yeah. And eventually in the movie, the green man appears with like full foliage across his face, deep green leaves Mm -hmm. and branches kind of coming out of his face. Yeah, I like the green man in this. He's a he's a cool aspect of it for sure. And I was reading, yeah. I guess the green man, it's like a symbol of rebirth. You mm-hmm. know, kind of like the springtime, everything grows again. And uh, I guess that's kind of like a rebirth for a character by the end of the movie. Well, this movie has the absolute fucking craziest ending I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, when I saw this in the theater last year, I was absolutely fucking stunned by this this ending. Yeah, I remember you telling me that last year, and I was like, how crazy could the men ending be? <laughs> what are you talking about, Austin? <laughs> but yeah, watching it the other day, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> it's, like, it's really good. I was not expecting, because like, it feels like a proper some proper horror imagery that fucking rules. (laughs) Yeah. I I definitely think that this, this ending deserves a spoiler alert because if you haven't seen this, nothing can prepare you for what you're about to see. Yeah. It's definitely the most impressive, like kind of body horror things I've seen in any movie, which uh, totally took me aback because I was like, I didn't think this movie was, would go that down that path at all. No, no, yeah, me either. It's it's quite shocking. And it kind of sold me on the movie, though. I was like, this movie's good now. <laughs> yeah. So I was like on the fence before that. Yeah, Yeah, because up until that point, if you've seen the trailer, you've basically seen the movie up until that point. So uh, there wasn't anything really surprising up until that ending, which was like the biggest surprise of the year for me. So like, yeah, the green man is stalking her. And, you know, bef- well, that's before kind this... of a pun. The green man stalking. <laughs> Stalk. Good, good call. Good call. <laughs> but um, 
like in this last 30 minutes, you know, the, the, the green man is like reaching for her through the mailbox slot and she stabs him in the arm. And then he pulls the knife through his arm out the middle of his fingers, like from the mailbox slot. Yeah. Just slowly drags it through the blade. Oh my God. It's like nails on a chalkboard watching that. It's just like slowly just drag. Yeah. Dragging through it and cutting his arm in half. But not only that, the rest of the movie, like anytime you see these guys, they're like, their hand is just like in half in this bizarre (laughs) looking way, just like dangling floppy half. I don't know. It looks really creepy and cool. I, I really liked it. Yeah. It looks so messed up. From there, we kind of get reintroduced to all of the characters who Roy Kinnear is playing, and like they all have the split arm. Mm-hmm. And then she tries to escape, but one of the characters takes the car, blah, 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 comes back. The green man is creeping up on her, and then slowly his like stomach starts to enlarge. Yeah, balloon. Like a, like a big balloon. And he falls over and and births like in a very graphic vaginal yonic. Yeah, yes, a vagina all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is also a pa- pagan symbol of this character. Uh, this pagan symbol, Sheila Nagig. Yeah, there's like a statue of that and like the green man in this church that she visits in this movie. Yeah, but anyways, the green man births the boy in this movie who is also played by Rory Kinnear like in a deep fake way like they have this boy (laughs) in the movie that has like Rory Kinnear's face in a deep fake thing which like doesn't look real but it's kind of works yeah it's fucked up enough that it works so then the boy starts his stomach starts to balloon out and there's this very disturbing image of the little boy with like this giant stomach just like screaming and then he births one of the other characters (laughs) (laughs) and then that character has a vagina in his back and yeah (laughs) births another character out of his back Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this is all true and then once again But th- this last one is 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 really fucked up because he births the last person out his mouth. So the first thing you see are like these toes coming out this guy's mouth. Yeah, feet forward coming out of his mouth. <laughs> well, the last guy is her ex-husband, right? Right. Yes. It's no longer Rory Kinnear. It's her ex-husband and. They yeah. kind of they sit on the couch together. He's all slimy and covered with placenta, and sits on the couch. And she's like, "What do you want, James?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Your love." And she's like, "Yeah." <laughs> and then, then that's like the end of that scene. <laughs> well, it's the end of the movie, basically. Well, there, there's also the scene afterwards where it's like the next day, and her friend finally comes and like rescues her, and sees yeah. there's like blood like all everywhere like trailing inside the house and she's like hanging out like looking at a leaf or something i kind of wish it would have just ended with her just sitting there with with her ex yeah that's definitely a more powerful image but i guess the director's like this feels like too dark maybe give her some sense of a 
things are going to be okay for her or something. I don't know. She's yeah. gonna, she's getting she's escaping this nightmare reality that she's been in. I guess. I mean, I don't know how you escape that after you see something. I mean, like I don't think I've escaped that nightmare yet. <laughs> but she does look at peace at the end. She's like smiling and like looking at a leaf. She looks she seems like she's like all good now. I've purged the guilt. Yeah, people uh really don't like this movie or it's very divisive. <laughs> There's people hate this movie on Letterbox or I, I don't know. I only heard like bad things about it kind of when it was coming out. Everyone was just kind of shitting on this movie. But I was kind of surprised that uh I thought it was it was pretty good. You know, by the end of it I was like, yeah, I don't see what the why people are so upset about it. Really. Yeah. I mean, there's some things maybe I could see. I mean, I th- I thought like kind of like the flashbacks, like with her ex-husband, like that, that like felt like pretty, those scenes felt a little surface level or it just felt like, I don't know, just like a very basic type of couple arguing kind of, it didn't feel yeah. very nuanced at all or that believable. It just felt kind of ridiculous. It's definitely the driving force of the film so it's it's you have to explain it somehow but maybe you could have done it in a in a briefer more brief way i mean um, i do like the shot of like you actually see him like his like hand like cut like his like the spike of the fence like through his hand right. and like his his like legs all fucking broken so like that's yeah. a good horrifying image i yeah. like that and they definitely and they're playing off that with what happens at the end with like how fucked up like the the knife cutting thing it's like seems yeah. like is uh it relates to that so i like yeah. that stuff but yeah just like them the scenes of them fighting was uh, felt a little uh cringe or something i don't know but yeah. those 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 are pretty short and makes up for a pretty small amount of the movie yeah i did like the cinematography of those scenes too like kind of how everything is drenched in red definitely separates it from the rest of the film yeah it does seem like maybe people are just kind of fed up with this a24 like allegorical kind of horror movie where i don't know yeah all these movies are very divisive enisman skinnamarink men they all kind of are very polarizing People love them, people hate them. But, you know, I think they all they all take you to a place that you don't normally go to. And so in that way, I think they're worth seeing. I, I like these movies uh, to varying degrees, but I liked all three of them. But I mean, I could, I could see where people are coming from. If you don't have the, the patience for these kind of movies, that's fine. And Men, the Green Man reminded me of another film that we watched recently the odd life of timothy green (laughs) (laughs) which isn't a horror movie but we we watched this together as a family uh this past weekend yep i had a fresh dvd of the odd life of timothy green where do you get the dvd i found it on the street (laughs) literally (laughs) it was discarded in a stack of dvds on the street and I'd never seen it and I was wanting to see it. I've heard a lot about it. Um, and we cracked that baby open and we watched it together on DVD in the PlayStation three. Yeah. 
This seems like the beginning of a creepy pasta. <laughs> we saw something that we can't unsee. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of similar to like I in a way I feel like Men is the sequel to <laughs> The Odd Life of Timothy Green. I think like this green man character could very well be uh Timothy all grown up. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll say what the premise of Timothy Green is for people who don't know, because I didn't know about this movie when you presented okay. it to us. Yeah, so The Odd Life of Timothy Green, starring Jennifer Gardner, um, is a Disney film, came out in 2012. And basically, it's about parents that can't have a kid. So one night, they decide to kind of dream up their their ideal child. Tonight, let's have a kid. You heard what the doctor said. Give it up. There we go. Our kid would never give up. You know, that kind of kid that would be a glass half full person. Picasso with a pencil. Yes. Our kid would rock. We so agree. <laughs> Just once, our kid got to score the winning goal. And they all put, put those little notes into a box and they bury it in the backyard. And the next day, a boy grows from the <laughs> ground. And the opening scene of them discovering this kid is very horrific. He's covered in mud and he's like kind of creeping around the house. Yeah, like it happens at night and you like see like the dirt shifting, which <laughs> if, if, if felt like a horror image for sure. Yeah, like uh, like a zombie was about to like pop out. It's like it's like very dark. It's lightning and rain and like this mud is like sort of like bubbling from the ground. And then they go into this room and there's like this boy covered in dirt like in the corner like hey. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, there's something you need to see. for us mom dad i'm getting that feeling we were like this is terrifying well there's the bit where he's like actually in bed with the uh, the husband yeah They're, like he's like under the sheets and then like the husband like comes up and like cuddles the thinking that it's his wife and like tries to kiss <laughs> it and then like it skitters away and the yeah. caesar's like left it a big mess of dirt in the bed and you're like what the hell so then you, you discover that, yeah, this boy has grown from the ground and the defining feature of this boy is that he has like leaves on his legs. It's just like six leaves. <laughs> just a few sp sparse leaves growing on his ankles <laughs> like that. They can't be cut off. Lin-Manuel Miranda <laughs> ma makes an appearance as a botanist who tries to clip off timothy's leaves and they're like steal and break the scissors <laughs> yeah this movie is bizarre and uh should be a horror film because it could have been like a megan type <laughs> movie where it's like they create some monster and and timothy starts going on some kind of a rampage <laughs> or I wish yeah. they would have like done a little bit more to make him look like a plant other than just have like six leaves attached to his ankles. Yeah, I was disappointed. I was expecting him to be more plant like, but <laughs> I guess that would freak people out too much. So I was like, that's eh, just throw a few leaves on there. 
<laughs> it's funny because yeah. it, this movie is written by Ahmet Zappa, one of Frank Zappa's sons. Right, right. It's an interesting detail. <laughs> yeah. It does have a bizarre feel. Like you can imagine a Frank Zappa song about like, the odd life of Timothy Green. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a, a song called like the Mr. Uncle Green Jeans or something. Yeah. But yeah, Timothy Green, he kind of sucks at everything. He's not good at soccer. He's not good at music. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of good at drawing, but he may be a little too good at drawing. Yeah. As he's drawing someone's portrait and gives them a a, <laughs> a goatee kind of because they just it's a woman that has like some hairs on her chin. And he really emphasized that in his portrait. And they're like, oh, Timothy. Yeah. The Timothy Green's cast is stacked. You got Joel Edgerton, Ron Livingston. Lin Manuel Miranda, Diane Weist, Common, oh yeah, like the soccer in, coach, yeah, Common, M.M. Walsh. It. He's in Blood Simple, the first Coen Brothers movie, and he's also in the Toes episode of Bedtime Tim and Eric's Bedtime Stories. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah, so I mean, lots of great uh, actors in this movie, but not a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. uh it was a lot of fun to watch, though. I think we it, it was like the perfect thing for for us cousins to watch together as a family. Yeah, it's definitely a fun movie to to watch and and make fun of because uh, it's very dumb. <laughs> but yeah, I think it should have been a horror film. It, yeah. it works better as a horror film, I think. I think uh, we got to play the famous scene where Timothy... Uh, is giving a concert of his musical abilities. And yeah, uh, yeah the best part about this scene is a visual gesture, which you won't be able to get <laughs> over the podcast, but it was something that we all, it all struck us as very funny the way that Joel Edgerton uh, kind of reacts to this scene. Back and enjoy the musical stylings of Timothy Green. You know what? We're running late to something. I'm go ahead and do the encore because it's fine. No, Mom, it's okay. You, you know what? It's fine, Mom. Um, Timothy? Hey, it's okay. Just kind of fucking around.
And apparently this weak ass performance saves the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, wow. I mean, the only reason it seems like it's going okay is because they actually play the song underneath it. <laughs> Yeah. Which in reality is not happening, but when you're watching the movie, it's like, oh, this is good now because the actual song's playing. <laughs> but yeah, Joel Edgerton's reaction to Jennifer Gardner, Gardner chiming in with the bop, 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 bop. <laughs> he just does this really funny double fist pump move that <laughs> we were just mi- miming to each other like the rest of the weekend. <laughs> he just thought it was yeah. so funny. A classic Disney film. An under uh, underrated and uh, unsung hero of the Disney collection. <laughs> Perfect way to end our first horror episode of the month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this was an odd life of Timothy Green. <laughs> odd this podcast. Was, yeah, this was an odd pod. We saw a bunch of weird. How? Uh, we saw a bunch of weird, scary movies, and we were like, we should talk about them on the pod. It'll be a great way to kick it off kick off yeah. spooky season just get get your mind into that dreamlike terror state <laughs> yeah to, we, we just want to mold your uh vulnerable minds now and take you into the dark depths of fear and terror i promise you you'll have a hard time falling asleep after listening to this podcast <laughs> i guarantee it i guarantee it should we rank these movies let's do our own ranking these four movies sure i'll say timothy odd life of timothy green that's the bottom (laughs) it's the bottom of the barrel for me okay and then from there i go enos men it's like a gentleman six out of ten for me (laughs) gentleman six (laughs) then i'd put men just men Mm -hmm. next and then I put Skin and Marink on top just because it's a, it really feels like a, a very unique horror movie that really uh, worked for me in the theaters. I wouldn't recommend watching it on Hulu with ads, though. No. The day. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, no, I, I definitely you got screwed. I got, I got screwed for sure. What's your ranking? Do you have it? Can you rank right. these movies real quick? In terms of a scary movie, I would say. Odd Life of Timothy Green, obviously, on the bottom, because <laughs> it's not a, it's not a horror film at all, although it should be. It was horrifying to realize that he scored an own goal at the, at the soccer <laughs> match, though. <laughs> and that he didn't know how to play any instruments. <laughs> but yeah, the image of we'll post on the Instagram, the image of Timothy Green with all the dirt on his face. <laughs> he looks like. The witch behind Winkies in Mulholland Drive. Yeah, just cowering. <laughs> it's terrifying. But doesn't count as a horror film. So, you know, I'll put it at the bottom. Next, I'm going to say Enosman. Because again, I don't know if this is a horror film. I, f- I feel like it's just an experimental film that has some unsettling parts of it. But I wouldn't call it a horror film. Yeah. Second, I'm doing Skin and Rink. Because it is a horror film. And it is scary but not as scary as the ending of men which scared the shit out of me yeah even watching it for the second time yesterday i still was absolutely mind blown by (laughs) the the gruesomeness of the knife splitting the arm in half and then also just the 
crazy vaginal ending <laughs> the, the, the the birth and rebirth and rebirth and rebirth and rebirth is yeah fucking insane yeah maybe insane if it just happens once the rebirth or the birthing <laughs> thing but it just like keeps repeating itself in like a new way and I, I saw an interview with the director alex garland and he said an influence for that scene was the anime attack on titan oh right because right, right. They, they have like these like weird titan creatures in that show that are like kind of like fucked up in a similar way and he said mm-hmm. that was a big inspiration so i thought that was interesting yeah so that's my ranking all right so yeah we feel the same we're just flipping we just flip on skin and men if i had it my way i'd put timothy green at top on top this whole episode <laughs> would be about timothy green if i had my way <laughs> do you have any more timothy green things you want to get off your chest before <laughs> we go no <laughs> no <laughs> so i hope you enjoyed the first episode of horror month on film with family Woo. if you like this podcast make sure to subscribe and review us five stars and also follow us on Instagram and YouTube at Film With Family and X (laughs) (laughs) that's where the devil lives devil lives on X and if you'd like to send us an email you can send us an email at filmwithfamilypodcast at gmail.com Tell us about your nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want a real scare, follow me and Austin on Letterboxd to see what we're watching. Zachary Zweifler and Austin C. Pruitt are handles. We love the movies. We love our family. See you next time. If you dare. <laughs> Oh, <laughs>